For the last eight years, I have worked alongside a remarkable group of Christian women in a nonprofit agency. Even though we have theological differences, we share the same passion for bearing witness to and helping women who are locked up and who are returning to the community post-incarceration. These women faithfully follow the gospel. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. The agency holds prayer time every week, giving me an opportunity to listen in on deeply intimate moments of Christian prayer. At Christmas, these women speak with awe that God sent a sweet little baby to incarnate on the earth. And they speak of the glory of Easter with wonder, that God so loved the world that he sent his son to live, then to die on the cross, and then to rise. I witness my co-workers' awe and their shared transcendent connection from outside their spiritual tent. One colleague sent, signed an email this week to me. He is risen. The little girl in me who went to Lutheran Church with her grandparents answered back in my mind, He is risen indeed. For these women, there is nothing metaphorical about the resurrection, not at all. Christ is nothing less than a miracle. The resurrection is a reminder that God loves them beyond measure. <coughs> the miracle infuses their lives year-round, and especially on Easter. And the miracle of the risen Christ is not limited to that one day. A few months ago, during prayer time, my colleagues prayed energetically and fervently for a solution to a transportation crisis for one of our clients. Eve's Volvo station wagon broke down just at the time she had gotten a new job with a start time of 5 a.m., making public transportation impossible. Lord, we know you have the answer for Eve, one of my coworkers said with her eyes closed. We know that you can make a way when there seems to be no way. Sixteen hours later, we got a call from someone from the Charlotte UU Church. Hey, I'm getting a new car soon, and it just occurred to me this morning that the car I have now, it's an old Volvo station wagon. It just might be of use to someone. My colleagues rejoiced at the speedy miracle. <laughs> How quickly the Lord had answered. Wow, the Lord is good. He really came through fast. I smiled to think at how my UU friend might receive the news that the Lord was being credited with her idea to give away her old Volvo. <laughs> was it really just a cool coincidence? Were my colleagues right to credit Christ himself? Was it some sort of quantum energy manifesting in some inexplicable way? In this season, when both Christians celebrate Easter and our Jewish sisters and brothers mark Passover, the miracle of God delivering them from enslavement, we are left to determine for ourselves what to think about miracles. 
Within our Unitarian Universalist faith lineage, we can point to many examples of our religious ancestors dismissing miracles altogether. Thomas Jefferson, who wasn't officially a Unitarian, but who certainly had strong Unitarian sympathies, wrote his own version of the Bible, which would be deemed the Jefferson Bible. Jefferson went through the Bible and literally cut out with a razor all the miracles. <laughs> Anything that strained belief and smacked of supernaturalism. In Jefferson's Bible, poor Lazarus is never raised from the dead. You can look, but you won't find the story of Jesus feeding the multitudes. Virgin birth? Nope. Resurrection? Sorry. There is no Easter Sunday. Jefferson's intent was to strip away all of the nonsense so that Jesus' philosophy and his teachings would be revealed. But without the miraculous, there's an incomplete story, flattened, missing power and poetry. And I argue today that without the miraculous in our lives, we're left with an incomplete life. I can't explain the synchronicity of the donated Volvo. When something extraordinary happens like this, I don't find myself needing to know the mechanics, the hows and the whys of it. The mystery itself is part of the joy. In the words of singer Iris Dement, no one knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. I think I'll just let the mystery be. What is important is that experiences like this wake us up, call us to attention. UU Minister Lynn Unger says, A miracle doesn't have to be impossible, but it does need to be extraordinary enough that it pulls you out of every day stumbling around, just getting things done and into something higher and deeper or wider than you had seen before. She continues, We are connected to each other and to the other beings on this planet in ways that we can neither fully see nor fully understand. Sometimes a miracle drags us out of our self-centered ways and gives us a glimpse of that larger thing to which we belong. My experience in UU congregations is that some of us have had personal experiences that defy explanation, that could be deemed miracles. I have heard lifelong UUs, and some of you speak not only of your belief in, but the central importance in your lives of spirit guides and angels. You've told me how these beings have helped you when you're unsure or in a challenging period. Some of you pray daily to a higher power and you know, you feel, you experience a miraculous presence holding you and loving you through it all. No doubt many of you have experienced unbelievable synchronicities that defy any rational explanation that science can't, or at least can't yet, explain. Experiences like this are explicitly stated as one of the sources of our living tradition. Direct experience 
of that transcending mystery and wonder which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. Yet even those of us who are not mystically inclined can be nourished by miracles. A miracle is in the eye of the perceiver. Along with the miracle banisher Jefferson, we include in our lineage Ralph Waldo Emerson, the 19th century transcendentalist. Emerson called attention to the miraculous, not in the life of Jesus, but in life itself and nature. Miracles have ceased, Emerson said. But then he went on to question, have they indeed? When? They had not ceased this afternoon when I walked into the wood and got into bright, miraculous sunshine in shelter from the roaring wind. He said the transcendentalist believes in miracle, the perpetual openness of the human mind to new influx of light and power. We believe in inspiration and in ecstasy. I can believe in miracle, he said, because I can raise my own arm. I can believe in a miracle because I can remember. I can believe it because I can speak and be understood by you. Emerson brashly and boldly democratized miracles, and others followed suit. Walt Whitman, contemporary of Emerson, in words you just heard, said, To me, every hour of the light and dark is a miracle. Every cubic inch of space is a miracle. Following the transcendentalist lead, we could consider something terribly ordinary, something we take totally for granted. And if we're willing to look deeply, find the miracle. So let's just stop for a moment and consider the radical improbability of you being you. Dr. Ali Benazir crunched some numbers. The probability of your parents' meeting one in 20,000. Then there's the probability that the fusion of one particular egg from that woman's possible 100,000 eggs and one from that man's 12 million sperm would join one in 400 quadrillion. And we're not done yet. We need to look at the probability that every one of your ancestors lived to reproductive age going all the way back before Homo sapiens, all the way back to the first single-celled organism. The chances of that, 1 in 10 to the 45,000th power. <laughs> but now consider that in each generation, the right sperm also had to meet the right egg until the beginning of time. So in each of the many thousands of generations, the possibility of this happening is also 1 in 400 quadrillion. Multiplying it all together, Benazir determines that the probability of you being born is 1 in 10 to the 2,685th power. <laughs> Put another way, he says, what's the probability of you being born? It's the probability of 2.5 million people getting together, each to play a game of dice with trillion-sided dice. <laughs> They each roll the dice and they come up with the exact same number. 
$150,343,2,079,001. With odds like that, each of us is a bona fide miracle. To take one breath is like winning the lottery. And how many of us act like it? If we're not paying attention, all the miracles around us can be overlooked. It's so easy and culturally normative to get lost in our lists, the news, the worry of the day, that we lose track of the wonder of it all. But when we stop just for a moment, how can we not be in awe? There's the miracle of books, and not just books, but public libraries. The way we breathe without conscious thought, 600 million tiny little lung sacs, each a little machine unto itself, taking in oxygen and processing it and sending it into our blood. Miracle of children learning language and laughing and FaceTiming with grandparents. The miracle of being able to forgive or finally being forgiven. That trees make food and we can eat it and it's good. The miracle of creativity, how songs and ideas and art flow through us. The miraculous complexity of a single blade of grass. How two cells divide into four and how a person is made with a unique personality. And when we pause, when we really pay attention, when we notice, it's not just the Christians, is it, who have witnessed the miracle of resurrection, this death-to-life dance. There are the addicts who live only for their next hit for months, years, or decades, and then suddenly experience the miracle of grace and commit to doing the work to stay clean. There's the miracle of loving again, when you couldn't imagine affection returning. The miracle of those who have been physically and sexually abused, who somehow find a way to trust again. I believe in the miracle of resurrection because last Sunday, I watched through the miracle of the internet. Brave children taking the stage before hundreds of thousands of people at a rally that was planned in just five weeks. Out of the ashes of death and the horrific tragedy of Parkland, a new kind of life is emerging. I watched a young girl named Naomi, just 11 years old, and she's calling for the names of black women and girls who are victims of gun violence. And the crowd is cheering, and on the Facebook feed I see comments rolling in from across the nation. Oh my God, these children amaze me. Can't stop watching such beauty. Can't stop crying with overwhelming love. <coughs> and the calcified cynicism and despair in hearts who had given up their dream of America, even just for a moment, eases. And there's now motivation and resolve and hope. And maybe there wasn't hope before. And is he risen? I don't know. But I know we are risen. 
at least for this moment, as this miraculous child speaks. In this moment, we are believers. There are only two ways to live your life, Albert Einstein said. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. On this Easter day, in this week of Passover, I invite each one of you, miracles that you are, to actively choose which way you want to live your life. Amen. Um.